Hello, listeners, and welcome to the Leyline Junction, a metaphysics podcast. Later this hour, you will hear us talking about. It's a lot. There's, there's a lot going on in that card. But I think that's that's kind of that's one of the beautiful things about how many different decks there are and how they attract different people and different readers. All that and more coming up this hour. Welcome to the Leyline Junction. Welcome to Leyline Junction. Uh, once again with me today are my friends Joanne and Teresa. Hi, I'm Jeff, by the way. And today we are covering the fives in the tarot deck. Though I do want to say before, before we get there, I have a question for you both. I was out the other day and I'm, I'm still looking for new decks myself. I mean, I have my two favorites that I've already talked about, but I, I feel like I want at least a third option. You guys have this wonderful collection and I'm a little, <laughs> I'm a little bit jealous, but I, I will admit I'm not finding a lot that really speaks to me. And I might talk about that later, but one question that did come up, I mean, Sorry, I'm going to take a step back for a moment. I know we haven't yet really talked about attuning to a deck. We haven't talked about what to do when you get a deck. And I think we should be doing that soon, maybe next episode. But before we even get there, uh, something that I think was a little more pressing than just if I were to buy a new deck, I was actually at my local used bookstore the other day. I Love it there. Uh, and I finally took a look at the, uh, they they keep their tarot decks behind the counter. I guess they don't trust everyone. Uh, <laughs> but I did take a look through their decks and the question popped into my head. I mean, with these decks, a lot of people believe that, you know, energy is a big thing when working with these decks and if we don't know who a previous owner was who has handled the cards before what kind of energy did they leave with this deck and obviously they didn't care enough to keep it so i i wanted to ask is i mean like you know i think about uh practices with crystals or something and to cleanse my crystals i like to leave them out in the rain i'm not going to do that with a deck um <laughs> So leave the let, paper in the rain. <laughs> yeah. Let me let me ask you, uh, if I were to go out and buy a second hand, a used deck, uh, and I don't know who the previous owner was, and I'm not sure about the energy they left, how how would I cleanse that? So I so for me, um, every once in a while I use salt. So I will put my entire deck in a bowl of sea salt. That's the best time type because salt 
cleanses the energies off of things. And even when I used to do tarot readings, I would always cleanse my my entire deck in salt overnight. Um, sometimes it was overnight on a full moon if I could get that to cleanse it. Or I use a clear quartz and uh, moonlight to kind of cleanse. So I would think you could use the same things to kind of cleanse the energy. Because every once in a while, you just got to recharge the old, got to recharge the cards. Teresa, anything you can add to that? So as far as secondhand decks go, I personally am not comfortable reading with one. I mean, I think it would have to take a long time of me just having it. And there, I, I would have to go with my own gut on when or if I ever felt comfortable using it to read. I mean, I would probably just like read myself or like flip cards over or play around with it. If I were to ever buy a secondhand deck in that way, I would probably just buy it for the purposes of looking at it or if it seemed so old and it just seemed cool, but not for reading purposes. But that would be, I mean, that is me. I just, I don't know that I would feel comfortable with energy that I don't know. That being said, if it's a gift from someone that we both feel like this is a transition, this deck, it's time to move this deck onto you and it's someone you know, giving it to me as a gift that I can gauge their energy on or that I know well, that, I mean, I probably wouldn't be giving readings right off the bat, but um, I would feel more comfortable with that as far as using it for, for reading. And I probably wouldn't, I probably wouldn't be reading for people that I don't know or for people that I, that have an important message that they're trying to receive unless I felt very strongly connected or attuned to that deck. Okay. So Joanne, let me quickly ask then for our listeners who are maybe a little less committal about the whole energy thing, bathing it in salt sounds like a bit of an ordeal. Can we just say... Can we say as a kind of a minimum requirement, maybe just leaving it in the moonlight inside shining through the window for one night would be, would help a little bit? <laughs> it would. So it would. And and getting a clear quartz would help too, just putting it on top of the deck. And so when I say bathe them in salt, I'm not saying. Yeah. Explain <laughs> that in detail. Yes. So what you do, so what I have done in the past is, I'll put the deck in and then just maybe, you know, take like a cup of salt and just kind of sprinkle it on there and then leave it out. And that helps cleanse like just the energies off of it. Because again, when you're doing readings for other people with your deck, other energies can get attached to that. So you cleanse that. And I actually used to use a specific deck just for tailor readings and not ones that I use for my personal use or for friends. All right. So today we are going to move on to the fives in our deck. Now, just for a bit of reference, uh, when we're talking about fives in numerology, fives tend to represent conflict, change, action, sometimes also uh, we'll, I think we'll see a trend in the cards today beyond just conflict, but also loss. Although I think there's more of that coming up 
later. So again, I would like to start off with our suit of wands. Now, as we recall, the wands are our suit of inspiration, of motivation. Uh, and I think that does factor highly into how I've seen this card interpreted. Looking at the traditional Rider Waite and Smith version of the Five of Wands, we see five characters on the card, five combatants. They're in some type of contest. They do seem to be fighting one another, but they all seem pretty happy about it. They seem kind of excited about it. It is a little chaotic. They are, so they're each holding a staff or a wand and they're all just kind of clashing together. So again, with the fives being our number of conflict, of competition, this does make a lot of sense. I've seen uh, some sources suggesting that when this card comes up, it is suggesting that you should enjoy the conflict, you should get involved, you should embrace it. I have seen some that recommend kind of keeping a distance from it. What they do all seem to have in common, and I do think this goes back to the ones being our suit of inspiration, of motivation, they do all say that in this chaos that seems to be ensuing in this card, you do need to keep sight of what your own motivations are. Don't get so caught up in the conflict that you start pursuing other people's goals. But otherwise, we do get playful competition. We do get some angry competition. And the card seems to ask us to consider our behavior when it comes to competition. Joanne and Teresa, I would like to turn this over to you and ask you what your impressions of this card have been. So, actually, you explained it very well. That's always been my interpretation is just competition. It's really what it's always boiled down to to me. It's just competition. They're competing, but they're not fighting. It's, you know, like siblings fighting. So it's not what I think what you're saying is it's not malicious fighting. It's yeah, it's not malicious fighting. It, it's just who's the best. So for me, I've not really had that experience of healthy competition with this card. And maybe that's because of the deck that I typically used throughout my tarot history. But I always saw it as kind of an attack and not a healthy one or not a productive one. It's been more of like a warlike attack, but I also wonder if that's my own personality bleeding through where I'm just not into conflict and I don't like competition. So it, it may be my own issue. And are, are we talking about the Arthurian deck? Yes. Can you, can you tell us what's on that card? So for the Arthurian deck, it shows a, a fortress on a hill or on, on the edge of a cliff and two firebolts are flying over towards it and somebody below watching it or someone someone on the close facing hill is watching it happen and there are evacuees like there are refugees pouring out of the city and trying to get away okay i wanted to share the card from 
the Shadowscapes deck that I've already talked about here. And the Five of Wands shows a pack of foxes chasing a rabbit, and the pack itself is in chaos. And there's one human in the middle of the pack who's running the opposite direction. So I think this card very much speaks to that idea of if you're involved in this chaos, you want to keep your own motivations straight. Don't get so caught up in the action that you start running the wrong direction. So I, I feel like the human is keeping his momentum going one way while the excited pack is going the other. I think that's probably a better interpretive image of that. I'll, I mean, the the Waitsmith Smith deck is not my favorite. Like, it's just not something that I connect to easily. But I will say that the image on it is much more in line with the general meaning of the card that most people are familiar with than the one uh, in the Arthurian deck or the one in the Buffy deck, which to me doesn't really make any sense. It's when Giles turns into the demon and he's just breaking stuff because he doesn't know his own strength. There's not really competition in this card, so I don't know why they chose this image. I don't do you, know. I, I Do you view I it some different? Because he does get, up, get caught up in the demon mentality. He lets the demon instinct take over for him, and he chases poor Maggie Walsh because he was really cranky, and he just <gasps> let the... He I let, forgot. <laughs> he let the anger take over, even though he himself is a very cool, level-headed person and should have kept himself in check. You wow. know what? Maybe sometimes you just have to rewatch your show. <laughs> wow, it's been a while since I've rewatched that. See, it, it's not my favorite season. Either. Well, yeah, it's not my favorite season. So sorry, I digress. But I think, I think this is a good. This is kind of a good reminder of like being familiar with your deck, but also to not be afraid of being on book too, you know, to um, checking the the meaning of something, especially if it's not making sense within the story of the other cards, as far as, you know, if you read it like that, which I do, you know, but it's not just a card that I'm reading typically. I mean, I might do a card pull every so often, but if I'm doing a full spread reading, it's what is the full story? Like, it's almost like a movie what do they call it? The uh, storyboard? What's mm -hmm. the storyboard telling me? Not necessarily just this one card. Joanne, did you have any cards you wanted to share with us? So this is from my Renaissance deck that I got 30 years ago, so I have no idea who made it. But this is where, and I'm just going to explain, you have a castle in the background and you have four staffs up and they have ribbon and to me, this is where I've always gotten that competition aspect of the card. And, and it really is interesting that you see the, the person who got the their staff out and they're getting ready. To me, it's always been a thought of it as a competition type card, not bad, like, you know, a competition. And that could be friendly or it could be unfriendly. And the ribbons being banners or pennants. Banners, yeah. Okay. Okay. Thank yeah. you very much. Moving on quickly to the Five of Cups, and there there are 
couple questions that I actually have today dealing with some of the fours, including a couple questions on the four of cups, but we'll get there in a moment. The five of cups, this is our don't cry over spilled milk card. We see a figure standing very sad looking posture. We see him looking down at three cups that are tipped over and have spilled their contents on the ground. Uh, And behind him, we see two cups still standing, theoretically full. So again, we're still talking about conflict here, but our cups being the suit of emotion This card does suggest to us that we don't want to let past disappointments spoil what we've still got or what could be coming in the future. Joanne, Teresa, again, what are some of your interpretations on this card? So for me, it's a card that shows a focus on what you've lost or what is not attainable. And it's that focus away from what you could have or what you do have. It's a longing of... So let let me interrupt you right there, and I'll, I'll just go into one of the questions that I had. Um, when we talked about the Four of Cups last time, if we recall, there was a young man depicted on the card who was staring down solemnly at three cups and did not notice the wonderful heavenly cup being offered to him either in the background or right in front of his face. And so we talked about in in that card as well, being so fixated on our disappointment from the past and not seeing this wonderful thing that was right in front of us. So can we get into a little bit right away? What does make the five different from the four? Looking at the the two side by side, to me, the way that it looks is that you're for the four of cups, the cups are upright, they're full. So to me, that's more of a, a boredom or a dissatisfaction with what you have, that it's just kind of become not enough anymore. Like you find you want something different. With the five of cups, he's looking at what has been taken away because they're tipped on their side. Obviously, someone or something has happened to take away from his bounty or from whatever it was that he had, but he doesn't see what's behind him or what's coming for him. So to me, that's the difference between the two. To me, this card means, all right, that's enough longing for the past or longing for something that you don't have or cannot have. It's time to start moving forward and finding your path to what you're what you're supposed to have or where you're supposed to go. And just to add on to your point about paths and getting to where you're supposed to go. I do have a couple sources that talk about the background in this card, that a river divides this man from the castle, but also in the background, we can see a bridge. So there is a way for him to get to that castle. Just wanted to tack that on to your, your explanation there. Joanne, how about you? What's What's been your interpretation of this card? sorrow and despair and letting it kind of cloud your view of knowing that there is bigger and better things in in the future or with you right now so yeah i I like the fact that there's that river 
and he's like, oh, and he's not seeing that there's a bridge on the other side. You know, the, you could just go to the bridge. You know, you you dropped three cups. You still got two. You still got two cups behind you, man. You know, that's my interpretation of how I see it. I th- I think it's also worth noting that there's three cups that are lost and two that are full behind them. So there is still a loss. Um, it's not a one-to-one, like it's not a an equal replacement necessarily at this moment. But I also want to point out the fact that I don't think that this is a card about not allowing time to grieve a loss, but it's that you've been focusing on the grief longer than is healthy and that it's it's time to start letting it go instead of clinging to something that you've been fixated on for longer than would be right. healthy like, too. Yeah, that grief is clouding you, which is why you don't see that you got two full cups and a bridge. Now it's it's kind of interesting that you say that. I was not planning on sharing this card, but now that we've kind of gone here, I feel like I have to. I'm going to stick with the Shadowscapes deck today. I know there's at least one other card that I do want to share, but the the Five of Cups shows a woman standing on the side of a river or an ocean, and she has, the, the cups are bowls, and in three of the bowls appear to be dead fish, and in two of the bowls are live fish, and the woman is grieving over her dead fish, and she's let one of the bowls go, and it looks like fairies or some type of water nymph is tending to them, trying to get her to release the fish that she's holding. And it, it looks like they are taking care of the fish that have passed, helping her to let go. It's a lot. There's, there's a lot going on in that card. But I think that's that's kind of, that's one of the beautiful things about how many different decks there are and how they attract different people and different readers, you know, it's, and how you can have more than one deck and feel drawn to a specific one for a specific reading or be drawn to two and kind of give, you know, a half and half kind of reading or, you know, partial of this deck and partial of that one. I think the different images can evoke different messages that I think could be valuable you know i don't i don't know that it should always be the same okay thank you turning then to our five of swords so with the five of swords we are still going to stick with the theme of conflict but as we recall our swords are our suit of communication of thought and in the five of swords we can assume there were two combatants in the conflict that just took place, and both of those combatants are unhappy with the result. They seem hurt, they seem sad, and then we have someone picking up the swords that have been left on the ground from this conflict, and that person, uh, a lot of the interpretations I'm seeing say that that person is very happy about the conflict that has taken place. He does seem to be smiling. But as this is the suit of communication, my sources tend to say that this card is cautioning us to 
temper our arguments to try and find the way to compromise, that those who focused on winning the conflict, winning the competition, it did not end well for either of them. There was clearly no winner. And it was the one cleaning up the swords after the fact. I'm I'm going to say I kind of got Thenardier vibes, uh, Les Miserables, the person kind of looting the bodies after a war. Um, oh. <laughs> I don't I don't think that's accurate in this case, uh, but I did have Thenardier's song running through my head all week, so. <laughs> It could also be the consequence of how this person won as well. That is another thing that, you know, you kind of can take away from the card when 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 it does pop up. But yeah. For my part with the five of swords, the message that I get again from the decks that I'm more familiar with that I've read more often, it is more a consequence of conflict more of a warning that there's always a casualty. It's more about the aftermath and not so much the actual conflict as it's occurring. If you want, I will speak to the Arthurian card that I'm very familiar with. There aren't actual swords other than like drawn on the side, but they're not really part of the image. It just shows a woman's body or a, uh, a woman who has been very injured or wounded who is being carried by a horse and it looks like the horse is being led by someone off of the card my interpretation of that is that she was a casualty she she was hurt inadvertently i don't think she was the target but that is a casualty that this person now has to deal with is how i've interpreted that card and that's why i have that interpretation of the five of swords that interpretation being that conflict always has some kind of a casualty that there is a consequence to conflict that you enter into and i do i do think that that's visible kind of in the other decks that we've looked at i i'll also show the buffy deck i think this particular image is from when her mom knew that she was the slayer yeah, was trying to give her some kind of balance and was trying to get her like, you know, she's a mom. She wants her daughter to focus on her life and her future. And Buffy is like, there is no future for the Slayer. Like, this is my destiny. And they're at an like they're at odds with that. But you can see, you know, the look, the expressions on their faces. Buffy's facing away from her mom. They're in the middle of a rift. And feelings are hurt you know there's there's a consequence to conflict you know when you're not willing to listen to each other there's going to be a separation for a while or some kind of consequence well i i was gonna ask i mean when we talked about the the giles card i think we avoided <laughs> all spoilers we i mean yes we let oh, on that right, he yeah. was turning into a demon but we didn't talk about why we didn't talk about what happened any of that right but i do i don't have even remember ask, how <laughs> is she holding her her bag um, yeah so, her slayer bag so slayer this bag. this is where joyce kicked her out of the house i think so yeah mm -hmm. okay I know, I know, I can hear Sarah McLaughlin right now. <laughs> <laughs>
footnote here. Uh, in our conversation this evening, we got so far off track that I, at this point, I don't remember where we left off with the Five <laughs> of Swords. So we're just going to fast move forward <laughs> and um, we're going to move on. Moving on to the Five of Pentacles, based on what I was reading, and I do want to talk about this a little more, but based on what I was reading, we were kind of coming away from the theme of conflict here. We see in the Five of Pentacles, two characters out in the cold, injured. So, I mean, they could be suffering from the results of a conflict. They're walking past a stained glass window, and the impression is that on the inside of that stained glass window, there's richness abound. There's happiness, there's warmth. So a lot of the sources that I have seen return to this fear of scarcity, right, that we've, we've seen in other pentacle cards before. And several of my sources have suggested that these characters do not feel worthy of what's going on inside. But either way, this card seems to speak to more of the instability and loss of the fives. Joanne, Teresa, can you add anything about this card? Out of the deck, this is probably one of my least favorite cards. And it's because it is, it's poverty it's need. You know, the one person is injured. They have the teared clothes. And like you said before, they don't feel like they're worthy of asking for the help. They can ask for help. They can ask for that support, but they don't feel like inside they're worthy of asking for it. So it's a very depressing. It's like a card of despair. And why is it your least favorite? I mean, there's a couple of cards like that. Um, the way the card hits home for me and my background in childhood. Yeah. It's not my favorite card. So when I look at that card for the writer Wait Smith deck, I don't necessarily see the unworthiness or the self projected unworthiness. I'm not sure. Like when I look at this card, it's not that I'm seeing, I don't see anybody pointing or like standing by wanting to help them. It's like, on the other side of a very sturdy, solid window and wall. So I don't know if they've been turned away. I don't know if they don't want to ask and there's the possibility to ask. But to me, that's it's too ambiguous, this particular image, to know exactly what that story is. I would, for this one, I would probably have to look at coincide or the other cards leading up to this and, and leading away from it to get a better interpretation of it. What what exactly would you be looking for in the other cards? I mean, it could be coming into a lean time. Like if, if there was like an abundance card leading up to this, it could be a loss that, you know, you're coming into or that you've recently dealt with and are still dealing with. For me, this is a lean time. It's it's a it's a low point in the cycle of life. Like we all, you know, we have our highs and our lows and this is a low point, whether materially, which the pentacles speaks more to as far as material things, 
And I would typically read it that way, but depending on what's around it, like if there are more love cards around it, I mean, it could be related to divorce and the cost of it, but it also could be about that companionship and losing that as well. It, it really, it depends on, on the cards that are around it. So um, that's, that's a very specific example. It would be specific. Yeah. Can you can you tell me in more generalized terms what what kind of cues are you looking for from other cards? Are we just looking for a context or yeah, probably more of a context of like what what's causing this? What's leading to what's leading to this loss or this lean time or this discomfort? Okay. I, I know in the Arcanist corner of our last episode, I, I talked about trying to balance moments of knowledge with moments of intuition. Uh, and I know I've tried to be the force behind inclusion of knowledge, but there's a flip side to that coin. And I do want to indulge in a little conversation about some of the things I was getting off of this card, because I got, I got a very different read off of this card myself when I first saw it. And the first question that I have is is a very generalized question. When we're doing a reading for someone, most of the interpretations that I've seen suggest that that person is the character depicted in the card, or is at least experiencing what that character is experiencing. I don't always read it like that. Okay. So my my question is, I mean that that kind of was my question. Is that <laughs> is that always the I, case? I don't or... think so. Just because there's a person on the card, it doesn't necessarily in male or female, it doesn't necessarily mean that it stands for the person who you're reading. Okay. So follow me on this for a moment. I know this is going to be a little convoluted. In our discussion of the fives and the conflict of the fives, we started out with the wands where we were a happy combatant in this conflict. We went to the cups where we are seeing the results, something that happened to us personally, but it's kind of a negative look on it. Then we moved to the swords where we were not a participant in that conflict. We were seeing the results from it and kind of looking at it in a, a negative light. Then I feel like when we moved to the pentacles, I, I was still kind of in that place where we're looking at the results of a conflict. And looking back to last week, the four of pentacles if this deck is supposed to be a progression, with the Four of Pentacles, we were taught that even though we were afraid of scarcity, we had achieved financial stability, right? So it didn't make sense to me that we would be going back to a place of scarcity, which is why I think considering the progression of the pentacles and considering the progression of the fives, when I looked at this card, I felt like I was the person on the inside and that I thought this was the card of charity. I thought this card was reminding me that as comfortable as I may be, 
there's somebody who is outside who needs my help. There is somebody who went into the same conflict that I did, but came out worse has not come Has not come out or has not come out. Or has not come out. You were humbled by the card. I was very humbled by the card. It is a humbling card because you do see that. Well, I don't want right. to cut off. I think I think it's interesting how we three have different personal attachments to this card. Joanne, you have a past where you can relate to an aspect of this card of the lack of the unworthiness of asking for help. Mm-hmm. I see it as a temporary lean time. And Jeff, you feel compassion for the lacking subjects on the card. So this card as the card of charity, what, any thoughts? I can see your point. I can understand how you see the charity in it. First glance of this, it kind of pisses me off a little bit because I see a lack of charity. I see a rich building with homeless people outside. I That's kind of where my mind goes is that they're not being offered the charity. There's richness in the world and there's wealth and there's plenty that can be shared with them and nobody is. Right. And I I would totally agree that that's what I see happening in this card, which is why I think this card is saying you need to remember that there are people outside. Yeah. I think it just depends on the question that's being asked and also the spread and what's leading to this. I think that this could have a few different meanings depending on the spread and the question. It could be about not forgetting the people who are worse off than you. It could be about sharing your plenty. It could be a message to you to ask for help if you need to and to not let your ego get in the way or your pride. It could be, this is going to be a lean time. Get ready, embrace yourself, You know, tighten the belt a little bit until you get through it. Okay. Uh, so I'm looking at the Five of Pentacles from the Shadowscapes deck again. I was I, I'm going to stick to that deck for this episode, and it is very similar to what we were looking at at the Rider Waite and Smith. We have a figure outside of a building. There's a beautiful stained glass window in the building, but the figure outside is very sad, in a bad place. A couple of things that I kind of like about this card. There's a butterfly visiting this person, and the butterfly has this nice little halo around it. So it's kind of a hopeful image to me. And in addition to that, there are actually only four pentacles in the stained glass window. The fifth pentacle is carved into the stone of the building and is right above the head of the figure in the card. So also kind of halo-ish but I think does speak to paying attention to more simple pleasures that are out there. I just kind of like the card. That's a beautiful deck. I love the the imagery. I don't know that I could read it effectively, but I think the images are beautiful. Sometimes, sometimes they make a lot of sense to me. The Fox one is, I don't know, that one, that one's really chaotic to me. <laughs> well, Joanne, Teresa, thank you. Once again, and for always, uh, for being with me on this podcast. Woo-hoo! Yeah! <laughs> Let's talk again next time when we discuss the sixes. 
Greetings, travelers, and welcome once again to the Arcanist's Corner. A few things that I want to discuss today. First of all, Teresa reminded me while we were recording, uh, it is not necessarily safe to put all of your crystals outside in the rain. I know I mentioned that's kind of my preferred way of cleansing mine, and yeah, I've probably done a little damage to them in doing so. But uh, before you put any crystals outside, look it up, double check, make sure that it is safe to put those out in water. Probably moon bathing or burning sage around them is maybe a better way of doing it. Anyhow, another thing that I wanted to quickly mention, last episode, I know I talked about finding this one interpretation on the Four of Cups, but I couldn't remember where I got it from. It's been bugging me. Uh, the more I think about it, the more I'm convinced I probably just did a quick look up online and grabbed that from somewhere. Obviously, this was before I knew I was going to be doing a podcast and before I knew I would have to quote somebody. So, I am sorry, I don't remember what website it was that I found that on, but I think we had a good conversation anyways. And that brings us to one other thing that I wanted to discuss today, inspired by the conversation we had on our fives. And I don't necessarily have any good words of wisdom on this. I'm kind of more asking for words of wisdom on this, so if you have any ideas. But what I really do want to talk about is the phrase, the universe will provide. This phrase is frequently used both inside metaphysical conversations and outside metaphysical conversations, but in times when people are thinking of perhaps making a risky financial move, a gamble that does seem to be necessary. We're not talking about casual gambling here. But if they are putting themselves in a vulnerable spot financially, a lot of people give the advice that, you know, don't worry about it. The universe will provide you with what you need. And I recognize the power in that statement. I, I recognize how that brings hope to many people who desperately need that hope. But there's something about that phrase that makes me rather uncomfortable. That's what I'd like to talk about today. Now, all right, so to be honest, there are a couple things about this phrase that make me uncomfortable, but a couple of those things are more like of a personal nature and kind of minor problems. And those would be, you know, number one, I'm just not that brave. It's difficult for me to fly without a safety net beneath me. I kind of need to know that it's there. In case you haven't really pieced it together yet, when it comes to a lot of the things that we're going to be discussing on this podcast, I am a bit of a skeptic, and I'm, I, I don't love using that word skeptic, because I think, especially when it comes to this industry, a lot of people who identify as skeptics out there seem like hell-bent on dismantling this industry. Like they've got a personal stake in this, they need to tear it down, and I'm not entirely sure why. 
I suppose it is quite possible that many of them know someone who is taken advantage of. But when I kind of identify myself as a skeptic, I'm not, I'm really not trying to tear this industry down. In fact, quite the opposite. I am very much enchanted by depictions of magic and sorcery in our folklore and mythologies. And I'm kind of a wannabe believer. And I feel like I'm relatively demanding in my investigations, mostly because I am trying to find something here to cling to. And I spoke a little bit in the trailer for the show about trying to be respectful in my investigations. And I am trying to do that. I'm also trying to immerse myself fully in them and embrace some of these practices as much as I can. But the fact of the matter is I'm kind of plagued by doubts and mostly by self-consciousness. It is very difficult to lose myself in some of these practices. And I'm kind of hyper aware of where I question some of these things. But ultimately, I am, like I said, I'm trying to embrace all this. I am trying to fully immerse myself in it. But like like I said, that's that's kind of a personal issue. I do feel there is a much, much bigger issue, more of a societal issue with that phrase, the phrase that the universe will provide. And that is, we know that there are thousands upon thousands of people living on the streets. I live just outside of Chicago, and I, I tried to look up some of the statistics on this, and those statistics are pretty hard to come by. I've seen some studies that estimate the number just in Chicago as low as about 4,000 people living on the streets, and I've seen some studies that estimate that number being as high as 80,000 people on the streets. I am sure that it is difficult to get accurate numbers on something like that, but simply based on what I have seen, my guess is the actual number is probably closer to some of those larger numbers that I mentioned. And that's just in Chicago. So even if it is on the low end, we're still talking about thousands upon thousands of people across this country that are living on the streets. And even recognizing that, we're just, we're really just talking about people in financial dire straits. There are certainly people who have other spiritual or emotional needs that are not currently being met. But the point is, there are situations in which the universe maybe has not provided. And where this becomes a problem is is not so much like false hope or anything like that. It's, I'm really afraid that a statement like the universe will provide brings with it an inherent attitude of victim blaming. If we believe the universe necessarily always provides, then how do we account for the people living in dire straits? Do we automatically assume that the universe did provide, but for one reason or another, those people were not able to 
see it? We're not able to grasp it? Do we say, oh, they didn't have enough faith? And do we, just by using that phrase, automatically fall into a victim-blaming mentality? Now, if we think back to our discussion on the Five of Pentacles, we recall that Traditional interpretation of this card says that the people depicted here, the poor, the hungry, the injured, who are on the outside of this beautiful stained glass window, that they, for some reason, do not feel worthy of generosity. And we know that's not true. We know that they are worthy of this, that everyone is worthy of this. And if they are feeling this, unworthiness, then I wouldn't want to, I, I can't add to that feeling by taking a stance of victim blaming, by saying the universe did provide, you just couldn't get it. And now, as I already said, I, I recognize the power of this statement. I recognize the positivity in this statement, I recognize the hope that that statement can bring to people. And I'm not asking that we stop using that statement. I guess I'm just asking that if you are going to be using that statement, please be aware of how you're using it, who you're using it in front of, and what kinds of attitudes and prejudices we may be inadvertently spreading through its use. And I guess with all of this, I'm kind of wondering, is there maybe a better way to phrase this sentiment, one that wouldn't have this inherent sense of victim blaming? I don't know. I haven't heard any. If you've got any thoughts on the matter, drop me a line on Instagram. Let me know. And so... You know, if you were at one time in a bad situation and you took a risk mostly because you had faith that the universe would take care of you, then I am very pleased for you and you're a braver person than I am. Please don't let your good fortune spoil your empathy for others. But if you took a gamble and were not able to land gracefully on your feet, promise me you know it's not your fault. Until our paths next cross, I wish you well on your journey. Leyline Junction is hosted and produced by Jeff Sternstein. The guests this week were me, Joanne Beth, and Teresa Bergato. If you want to support the show, the best thing you could do is to rate us and post a review for our show wherever you get your podcasts. You can also visit us and drop us a line on Instagram at Leyline Junction, no spaces or underscores. Your cats are distracting you, aren't they? Well, I'm trying to keep the one quiet so that we don't have demonic meowing because she sounds like a 56-year-old woman who smoked all of her life. Meow. <laughs>
I know when I originally uh, started to consider the format for this podcast, I always wanted us to share the cards from other decks at the end, but I think I'm totally abandoning that because we've <laughs> we've been going through them randomly. Yeah. So you don't think nostalgia is going to take over and you're just going to listen to these <laughs> recordings over and over again for well if you gave me a go... pop quiz if you gave me a pop quiz in a year i might not have it <laughs> you need to go and listen to this podcast again to learn what it is <laughs> now i gotta look at my notes hold on People are going to listen to this and they're going to say, who are those awesome guests and why don't they have their own podcasts? And then we're going to have spinoffs. And so you're going to need to know all this when you do yours. <laughs> sure. This is what happens when we go too long without chatting. And Joanne and I even went for a walk this morning we when did. my phone was still working so we could get all the wiggles out and we apparently we did. did not. Joanne, like, are you planning on moving to the moon? Like, Can I? Is, can, can I buy? I don't think I'd recommend it. Yay. Oh wait, I didn't I didn't give a blooper. Don't <laughs> do a blooper, so worry. I'm not funny in this one. Actually, you kind of are. I think I've been Am taking ment I've been taking mental notes. I've got I've got a few good things. What on. did I say? I don't even I don't think I was funny at all today. <laughs> <laughs> oh good, now I can open the window. So we done?